This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Aminio's left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You want to talk about a jam-packed show. This show is so jam-packed, we've got a guest that's not even on the list. I mean, I got Tommy Malone, former A at 415. Nick Allen hit his first career home run yesterday at 430. The general manager of your Oakland Athletics at 5 o'clock. Scott Emerson, you're just you're you're said you're so hard to get. Calling his agent to try and get him on the show is so hard to do. So uh, we're thankful just to have you today to lead off. Yeah, I'm so hard to get. I just take any open time slot, right? I I got I got to <laughs> think you probably never in your career were a leadoff hitter. No, not not at all. Never a hitter. Let's get that one straight. I in basketball in your illustrious basketball career, I don't think you were a point guard. Oh, I was a point guard. I can tell you that one. You're a point forward? Uh, I did a little bit of everything. You could handle the rock back in the day? Oh, yeah. All right, so one of the things that we love to get into with pitching with you is about the business of pitching, and we talk a lot about the science, the art of pitching. Yesterday, Eno Saris said something that I hadn't thought about, and velocity has been such a big thing that's changed in our game. And he talked about that maybe the pitch clock that makes guys work faster, have to throw the ball faster to home plate, they have less time to, all right, gear up, throwing it as hard as I can. you got to get the ball and go, get the ball and go, especially for starters. Do you think the pitch clock would keep people from this, everybody's just trying to throw as hard as they can? You know, I I really haven't dove too much into this uh, pitch clock but uh, you know the headset that our guys are wearing I think guys are working at a faster pace in the big leagues with the uh, pitch com that everybody's using uh, he brings up a valid point that that uh, you know the guys are, are, are making pitches faster and maybe running out of gas a little bit faster and not having the time to uh, take a breather in between pitches so it, it's something that uh, should be uh, looked into for sure well because you got to think when you were growing up, learning how to pitch, they didn't want you coming out of the gate throwing every pitch as hard as you can because they want you to sustain and be able to go longer in the game. You up your velo when you need it, but you don't do it on every pitch. 
Well, we, we never really talked about velocity. There was no uh, radar gun tools measuring us in you know, junior high or measuring anything we did really in high school unless a scout showed up. Now you've got these radar guns that these parents can go out and buy, and, and everybody's looking for that velocity, which, you know, useful velocity is very important at ultimate levels. But, you know, I go back to, you know, being able to pitch. At the end of the day, can you pitch with what you have? You know, you, you can come up to the major leagues, and you can throw it as hard as you can, and that doesn't make you a good pitcher. So the guys that are great pitchers in this game also know how to throw strikes, and they know how to do what it's called, pitching. And they just happen, a lot of them, to have plus velocity. We talk so much about velocity. Is it a little overrated since we're having more breaking balls thrown than fastballs? So all the talk about velocity, but they're not going to it. Well, in reality, what's going on is everybody's trained in their arm to, uh, for arm speed and, and for them to be able to throw something hard. If you throw a breaking ball harder, it's going to be better than a breaking ball that's softer. So what happens sometimes is guys, uh, they, they train themselves to throw something hard, which in return makes their breaking ball that much harder and later to hit. And uh, sometimes... You know, an overthrow per se could lead to uh, less fastball command, but they have the ability to spin a breaking ball inside the strike zone. So, you know, I always preach, you know, and, and talk to guys about if you're unwilling to throw your fastball, it's not because you're afraid of it getting hit. It's because you're not sure of where it's going. One thing that I see down here as we're doing the show Ace Cast Live from the field, which is so special, only only show on Major League Baseball done from the field is I notice you'll actually have relievers who will go down before the game like right now right it'll be four o'clock and they'll actually heat up and get on the mound and you guys will use your technology and you'll see what they're doing and they'll throw some pitches and I just go wow that's so different we would have never done that and as someone who was a career reliever in college I would never before the game get on the mound and throw pitches knowing that there was a chance that I could be throwing like three hours later. When did you guys decide to be able to heat up a guy before a game to work on some stuff knowing that it's going to be hours before he pitches again? Well, you know, I came into this organization in uh, 2003, and uh, Ron Romanek was the pitching coordinator and Rick Peterson was the pitching coach. And they talked about command being the number one priority, being able to control the baseball. So if you look what hitters do each and every day, they go in the cage and get their reps in, and they, they swing the swing the bat off off the off the, or in the cage, off the machine, off the tee, and then they come outside for batting practice. What are pitchers doing to keep themselves ready to throw strikes in games? So you know we try to keep them anywhere between eight to 15 pitches. It's generally you know the pitcher has had an off day or two and then we get them up on the mound. If we're working on a pitch, uh, you know, they'll throw some flat grounds and then our guys will come up and throw a few pitches. So it's not like we're, we're asking them to throw a full out bullpen. We're just getting them up on the mound, getting a touch and feel per se is what we kind of call it. Some of the guys, we move the catcher up, getting the slope underneath them, learning to drive the ball to the bottom of the strike zone or, you know, throwing to the top of the strike zone. So I think it's important that pitchers do in practice what they're doing in the game right so if you're just not getting off that mound enough in your practice sessions you know how are you going to be in games yeah and then i think about the timing you do it when they get here but what would in your opinion in a perfect world like you can have these guys here at nine in the morning right because we see in the nba 
we see in the NHL, they have what's called morning skate or morning shoot around. They'll skate for their legs, or in the NBA, they get you going. Even though you're now not tipping off well till 7.30, 7.45, what do you think ideally for the arm for players would it be to have them do something like that? Is it 4 o'clock for a 6.40 start? Would it be noon, and then they have a whole lot of rest? What would the optimum time be? No, I, I think 4 o'clock is, is, is good. You know, uh, one, you also have to remember we're not quite getting to max effort on those certain days, but we're working on some touch and feel and uh, the ability to, you know, I always believe if you can't really throw it slow inside the strike zone, how are you going to throw it hard at max effort? So if you can develop some touch and feel uh, playing catch or even throwing a light bullpen, I think it's more it's beneficial for you for when you get into the games as you gear it up you can uh, command your baseball. So, you know, there, the unfortunate thing is there's not really any studies out there that can, can prove this or any studies that can't prove it. So we're just kind of going on our, our what we've done here in this organization for 20 years, and that's, you know, when a guy needs to get off a mound for a little bit of touch and feel, we get him off the mound and, uh, you know, work on moving his baseball around. So Paul Blackburn going to be going tonight for the athletics, and when I think about the secret sauce for him and what he's been doing – it's one of two things. Is it his work on TrackMan and what you're getting with the data, or is it pizza? Because oh, he says he has pizza, and that's the thing he's got to eat the night before. It's lucky pizza. What's more important, data or the magic pizza? Man, you know, uh, good for Paul Blackburn because I, I ate pizza the night before, and I was terrible. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm so glad that Paul's having a good one with pizza. But, you know, you know, like I said, incorporating data into your everyday use. But you know what? I've, I've always been a big component of, you know, players are creating the data. The track man is just giving us uh, extra feedback on what the ball is actually doing. Even if his ball doesn't measure up to some other elite type pitchers in the big leagues, we can still take that data and understand where to start it, where to move it. And, uh, you know, hopefully what counts we're throwing it in by looking at the hitters data. So, you know, TrackMan's and, and StatCast and, and all the data is a big part of what we do, but also the players having the ability to uh, execute those pitches is even a, a, a bigger part. What happened to Hawkeye, which was the tech, technology they use, they still to this day use in tennis, that was supposed to replace TrackMan, but I don't think it has. What happened to it? Uh, I, I'm... I'm not 100% sure, but I think Hawkeye is integrated into the StatCast with the cameras. Okay. Um, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm just getting the, uh, the you know, StatCast, Hawkeye information and uh, TrackMan information and blending it all into to one big pile of information, and, and we're all sorting it out what's best for each guy. So when you have this pile of information – like all information, we're going to look at some of it that we really value, and then some of it we're like, eh, I'm not so sure about. So when you look at that, what are the things that you look at, whether it's for a starter, reliever, righty, lefty, velo guy, not velo guy? I mean, other than getting outs, what is the thing that you look at that you say that 
maybe your top or your top three things that you look at data-wise go, that's so important? Well, I'm always looking at horizontal and vertical release. Where is, is he consistent in his release point with all his pitches? You don't want you know, a guy throwing a breaking ball from a lower slot and throwing his fastball from a higher slot. I'm looking at spin rate to see you know, if, if he starts losing RPMs on a pitch, maybe he's tiring out at certain points. That's one thing we get on the uh, iPads during the game. You can look at the spin rates and uh, determine, you know, is he losing losing his spin or, or maybe even gaining his spin every now and then? Is he getting stronger? Uh, obviously, you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, pitches in the side to strike zone. Can he get swing and misses in the zone? Does he have to go outside to strike zone to get swing and misses? Where does he move his fastball best? You know, where does his horizontal movement and his vertical movement play? You know, a lot of sinker ballers are 17 inches of horizontal movement. So that's like starting it at one corner of the plate and the ball running all the way back to the other corner of the plate. So you kind of start understanding, when you start understanding these numbers, you start being able to you know, help pitchers where they can start pitches and where they can end up. Are you able to fight for one of your guys on the mound with the numbers? When you, you know, it could be, hey, we've called to the bullpen, but you're looking at a Blackburn like in Boston, or you're looking at a Frankie Montas, you can say, hey, the numbers say he's as strong or getting stronger. Are you able to use the numbers to fight for your guys while they're out there? Because it just seems like everybody wants, everybody's got a quick hook these days. Well, I think, you know, the numbers are, are never in the starter's favor third time through the lineup. And uh, the scoreboard will dictate that. Uh, the, the numbers of him third time through the lineup will dictate that. I think you know you're, you're dealing with a slippery slope because if you got a, a rested reliever who's one of your better options and you're you're in the third time through and that starter uh, is getting through the third time, you want him to get through the third time. But if it's a close game and you got somebody well rested down there and your starter's giving up a couple runs, I think it's time to go to the bullpen. But if your starter and the scoreboard dictate that he can go fully through the third time and maybe even a fourth time, then you run that. So the scoreboard has a lot to do with the decision-making and then the ability of what the pitcher's actually doing that day as well. You know, when you think about your pitchers right now, you know, there's teaching versus ma maintaining. What, you know, we're middle of the season. We're in, we're, we're, yeah, what is the day today? The 21st, 22nd? Yeah, we're past the middle of June. We're, we're, getting, we're, we're about to be in July. We're mid-season. So tell us the difference between teaching versus maintaining. Well, maintaining, you're just really not given viable options to, you know, a process. So for me, I'm, I always feel like I'm teaching and wanting guys to take their game to a little bit higher level. But the mental concentration is very important. You know, we got a lot of guys with uh, little experience in the big leagues, and they have to understand that that command is very important because once we start playing our division over and over and over again, and those hitters keep seeing you, they know what you're trying to do. You know what they're trying to do. They know what you know, you know what everybody's trying to do. But if you execute those pitches to those hitters, you know, the likely outcome will be in your favor. So a lot of it is just teaching these guys that that command will pay off. You know, I made a lot last night of Jonah Bride's third at-bat where it was a 13-pitch at-bat. And Marco Gonzalez was cruising. And all of a sudden, here's Jonah Bride fouling it off, fouling off, looking to pitch, fouling it off. 13 pitches. Gonzalez wasn't the same after that. What is it when a guy 
has an at-bat like that later in the game versus a starting pitching, what does that do that starting pitcher? Well, as you know, it's a grind out there as a starting pitcher. And when that guy keeps fouling all balls off, you're thinking, man, just put one in play. And Jonah did a great job and got that base hit to left field. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't affect some guy's confidence, but every now and then it, it can get in your dome a little bit. But, uh, you know, he did a great job of battling them and, and getting his pitch count up, and then uh, we ended up scoring two runs off him. Yeah, no, it definitely works. How uh, Tommy Malone, what do you got for me on Tommy Malone as he's making his way to the former A now with the Seattle Mariners? Oh, crafty lefty. You know, he's, he's, that, he's that crafty lefty who's, who, you know, he, he's sustainable because he pitches. He throws strikes. He moves his baseball around. He's a great competitor. And I can't say enough about Tommy. Been in the game now a long time. Been in the game a long time. Yeah, there he is, Tommy yeah. Malone, bringing him in. So it's like he, he's, he's got he's got the equalizer. You know, when you know, I always talk about our our famous saying: if if hitting is timing, pitching is disruption of timing. And Tommy has done that over his career. And when you can locate a heater and disrupt a hitter's timing. You're going to be in this game a long time. You're like the warm-up act. I'm the warm-up act for Tommy. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We always appreciate it. Thanks for having and me. And we'll talk to you next homestand. Sounds good. All right, we got Tommy Malone coming in. As a Scott Emerson from one from one left-hander to another here on A's Cast Live. Of course, Tommy, we remember his great times here with the Oakland Athletics and, you know, some, some really big games that, that he pitched. He's back up with the Seattle Mariners. And it's and it's great to see as we we've, we've stepped our game up since the last time you were there. You now can watch the show on YouTube. Okay. You can watch it on Twitter. So it's just not streaming audio wise. You can see it on video. So it's great to have you back. I know yeah. you're back up with the Mariners. Yeah. How are you? Great. Can't complain. I'm back here. I'm uh, you know kind of where it all started. And I mean it's good to be here for sure. The feelings when you step back out here. What are they like? Great. Great feelings. I mean um, the athletics are. Kind of the first, uh, you know, real shot at being in the big leagues. So uh, it's always, you know, it's great to look around and, and kind of see the, the familiar stadium and, and just kind of bring back those old memories. Yeah, reality, much hasn't changed since you left. Yeah, no, it hasn't <laughs> changed, but, like, that doesn't matter much. You know, it's what happens on the field and, you know, what's happening in the stands and in the, the clubhouse and stuff like that. You know, what it, it doesn't matter what it looks like is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, I mean, the relationships I saw, you know, we were talking about you with Emo as you were walking over, and there's Mickey Morabito. You're seeing him, Vince yep. Catronio, a lot of a lot of the same faces. Yep. And I think that's one of the great things for guys that had such great moments here, as you did uh, with, with some teams here and in the postseason, for when you come back to see those familiar faces, it just takes you back to that time that was so special. Yeah, of course. It's always nice seeing familiar faces, you know, nowhere, no matter where I go. Um, but especially coming here, you know, obviously, like I said, like kind of where it all started. And, uh, you know, I spent a majority of my career, you know, in, in this place. So, um, or majority in one spot in this place. But, um, you know, it's, it's always nice to see, see these guys. And uh, I was actually thinking to myself, like, it's not the same on the field, but, you know, everywhere else, you know, it's it's about the same so it's nice to nice to see everybody again so back in the big leagues tell us how this year's been going for you it's been good you know uh, started off a little rough um you know signed with them a little late in spring training um just dealing with some stuff as soon as i signed so i was in arizona for a little bit um cleaned that up 
um, and then started pitching in Tacoma. And you know, I've, I think I've had seven had seven starts there, and you know, pitching really well. Um, so now they're giving me the opportunity up here. So you know, right now I, I can't complain. Um, I get to keep putting on a jersey, get to keep pitching, keep keep playing. You know, this kid's game, uh, trying to soak up as much as I can. You know, before it's all over. Um, and yeah, just trying to have fun and enjoy it. For you this off season and affected all of us for, I mean, you're talking about the business of baseball. Uh, just what was that like as a player, a team, looking for that team? What was the lockout like for you? It wasn't fun by any means. Um, no, I didn't get one call before, you know, before the lockout, even during the lockout, because technically I was not considered a big league free agent because I had signed with uh, the Reds, played AAA and all that last year to end the season. Um, so technically I could have, you know, signed in the middle of the lockout, um, but still, you know, it was just, it was very weird. Um, there wasn't was, really much going on anywhere. No, it was, yeah, yeah. it was odd. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was just, it was kind of an unsettling feeling. Um, you know, obviously like you run scenarios through your head and it's like, nobody's calling, like, could this be it? You know, um, but, you know, once it was over, you know, I, I continued to throw. Obviously, we didn't know how long it was going to last, but I continued to throw uh, in preparation for the year. And, you know, I, I still felt good, so, you know, I wasn't going to give up. Um, and, you know, eventually had a couple teams call. They came out, saw a bullpen, obviously the Mariners being one of them, um, and just went from there. They signed me, what, maybe two days, three days later, and I showed up to spring training. And knowing that you were going to have a shot to get to the big leagues, right? That's yeah. one of the selling points for you. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think it helped, you know, being here in 2019. Pitching, I thought, pretty well for them. Um, they know me. Um, so, you know, I think as long as I can continue to be myself, pitch well, uh, I give myself a good shot of getting back up here. What is it like right now in that Mariner clubhouse? Because I know they had the team meeting. They've had some struggles. Just give me the vibe, what it's like in there. Yeah, it's, it's still great in there. Um, you know, stuff that happens on the field, you know, obviously I've been with some teams that, you know, you carry it off, and it's, it's almost just like a, it's just a business, you know, we're just going out there and playing a game and going home. But um, this, this group of guys is, is different than that. Um, you know, even though uh, the record's not showing, you know, what we think that, you know, we can be, um, it's, it's, you know, it's lively in there, having fun, joke around. Um, it's still, you know, it's still the same as if we were winning. You know, it's still a lot of fun. And I think that's, that's probably what's going to, you know, kind of turn the corner, help turn the corner, I guess, um, is you need those guys in there to, to keep it loose. And, and when it's dark, you know, don't, don't get too dark. You know, keep it loose, have fun, and, and continue to play this game like it's a kid's game because really it is, and you're supposed to have fun doing it. We were talking yesterday about team meetings, and you've heard there's there's the ones where we're throwing all the coaches out. We want everybody out of here. We don't want you to be a part of it, you know. And then there's the ones where coaches are involved. And do they really work in your career? You've probably been through a few of them. Yeah. Do they really work in a game where you play every day versus, I guess, if you're like a football team that plays once a week, but a baseball team that plays every single day? How much does it really work? Um. It's hard to say because I think in the immediate future, I think it, it helps um, a lot, actually. You know, obviously, um, you're usually doing it on a, on a 
the day of a game, you know, before, um, or I guess you could do it after the game. But um, I think it, I think it helps because you get in that mindset of you know like like let's go. So you have that like kind of burst of energy, and you know that burst of energy might not last the rest of the season, but it kind of kickstarts you into something that maybe maybe a different gear that you weren't in before. So um, I think it I think it helps. Uh, you might not see it, obviously, because, you know, like you said, it's a long season. You're going to go through your ups and downs. But I think overall um, you just kind of get into that, that new gear and, and burst of energy and kind of hopefully that gets you kind of back on track. I asked Scott Emerson, I said, if you could ask Tommy one question, this is his question. Okay. Talking about sustainability, staying at this level, and not being a big part of the velo world yeah that's not your gig your gig is pitching so what he wanted to know is what is the key to staying here and sustaining the career as you don't have the big velocity continue to get outs no matter what that that looks like um i think uh you know i've been able to do it for the most part obviously i've had my struggles but um i think just trusting myself and the type of pitcher that I am and, you know, knowing that I've had success at this level, doing it the way that I'm doing it. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is, is mentality. Um, you got to go out there and know that you're going to get the guy out. You know, if you go out there and you, you know, doubt yourself, then you already lost. So, um, I think for me, it's just confidence to go out there knowing that I'm going to get these guys out and, um, not backing down. Yeah, as he as Emo says all the time, it's about the disruption of timing of the hitter. Mm-hmm. And we've got plenty of guys that throw 100 miles an hour who've got ERAs yeah. over five. Yeah. So when I hear about it, it's all about velo. I go, well, then, you know, why are all these guys who throw so hard getting racked? Yeah. I mean, still the key is hitting the spots. Yep. I mean, throwing strikes, utilizing your defense. I yep. mean, it's not – people act like pitching's changed, and I go, really? Yeah. No, it definitely hasn't changed, um, especially this the style that you know that I use is like you just said, command the zone, uh, throw strikes, let your defense do the work. Obviously, you know there are going to be games that they find holes, they they drop in the outfield, and you know it doesn't end up going your way. But you know over time, I think um, the success rate is going to be in your favor if you continue to throw strikes and and pound the zone and just give yourself a, a chance. You know, we're all talking about it. I don't even know if you guys know it. The whole thing about the Mississippi mud on the baseballs and how they've been doing it and how they've sent out the memo of how they want them to do it. Do you guys pay attention to any of that? Um, me, personally, I, I mean, I honestly, I just got up here. So yeah, I kind of saw what happened with um, our guys in the um, when Upton got hit and, you know, the whole, you know, the, the balls are looking – like they're not rubbed up and stuff like that and you know in, in some cases I've I've been a part of you know places where it doesn't it looks like it comes straight out of the wrapper um, <laughs> and it's it's not a fun feeling because like they do feel very slick when yeah. they're like that but um, you know I pitched the other day and I you know I thought they were okay so I mean this was after the facts so after I'm, the memo I'm, yeah. I'm sure that um, they took a little bit of extra time but um, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of experience on that one, at least this year for sure. So it feels like a brand-new golf ball you've taken out of a sleeve? Yeah. <laughs> they just took it right out of the, the wrapper and threw it out. That's how sometimes it feels. And, I mean, you see these guys, like, 
Um, I don't remember who it was, but the guy for the Angels, he's grabbing the balls and just throwing them, grabbing them, throwing them. I, I actually remember uh, someone for us did that um, back in 19. And I don't remember who it was, but just I, saying, I just remember I, nope, in my head I can nope. see it. he's grabbing a ball, looking at it, nope, looking at it, <laughs> nope, throwing it out, kept throwing it out. And so, I mean, I think it's been probably an issue for a little while, and I don't know. I is, that, is that odd that we're in 2022 and we're still talking about this? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's, I mean, your entire career, think about it. We've, we've questioned what ball we're using. Is yeah. it wound too well, tight or the seams? I mean, I, mean, I feel like – this wasn't an issue. At least I, I didn't notice it until, what, maybe the last four or five years. I didn't. I really didn't think about it. You know, my the first part of my career, I I don't remember ever looking down at a ball and and thinking, this doesn't look rubbed up enough. So I think it's been more recent than, than you know the first part. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. We're still talking about the ball after all these years. <laughs> hey, I know you guys are warming up right now. I know we only had so much time. Hey, thank you for stopping by. Yeah. You're always one of our favorites. No, I appreciate We that. appreciate it. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. And uh, uh, go out there and give them hell with the, with, the, uh, with the Mariners. And great to see you back in the big leagues. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. It has turned out to be a beautiful day here in Oakland, California. Game two between the Athletics and the Seattle Mariners. Taking a look around Major League Baseball, I, I, I think it's kind of crude that I look into the playbook and it says about the Angels that the Angels stink. Uh, there's no lie there. They've lost 9 of uh, 15 under the great Phil Nevin, their new manager. Oh, do you want to hear something crazy? Two real quick. Now you're talking about the Angels. They're honoring the 2002 World Series team tonight. Guess who will not oh, be there? Oh, it's been 20 years. Guess who's not been there? Guess who will uh, not be there? Mike Sosha. Joe Madden won't be there. They fired him. He will not be welcome back. <laughs> it was in the notes. Read it. It's in the note in the MLB notes. It says that Madden won't be there. Like social will be there, 
Tim Salmon, although he works for the Angels broadcast. Do they not invite him? I don't know. It just says that, that Joe Madden won't be there. Hey, it'd be, uh, Joe, it's going to be good if you don't show up. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to pay out the rest of your contract, Joe, but uh, I don't think you need to show up. Um, but, yeah, the Angels do stink. You might want to get into the picture somehow. I know. That's what I was, what I was waiting for you because you're. You want me to move? Yeah, you be the guest now. Okay, I'll be the guest. This is what we want to provide you. If you're if you're listening, thank you. God bless you. But we want to provide on YouTube and on the A's YouTube channel, of course, on Twitter at AthleticsCast24, your ability to see batting practice. You're able to see everything that's going on right now. Griff, turn it so you can see the hitters right now. You can see what they're doing. We like to move, especially when we have taped interviews. We like to show you everything that happens here in Major League Baseball before the game starts and how they get ready. That's one of the advantages that we have here on A's Cast Live. Now, Shohei Otani. He had a great night last night. Became the first Jet. He's pitching tonight. He's 5-4. and Yeah. Uh, Same ERAs you had around the same time last year. But last night, the two bombs, eight RBIs. No. Do you have the highlights? I don't have the highlights, no. You just put it on paper then, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no Japanese-born player, two home runs and eight RBIs in one game. The last two guys are previously Japanese-born players to drive in seven runs in a game. Uh, Wait. Hideki Matsui. That's one with the Yankees in 09. Had to bring the Yankees in at some point, didn't you? Uh, I was going to say former A. Uh, You're the one that brought up former Yankee. Uh, yeah. I, I know Hideki Matsui as an A. And White Sox legend Tadahito Iguchi. Did it as well. Wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> if I would have, I would have said, "Well, no, Ichiro wasn't a guy." To, if it was, if I was going to guess, I would have guessed Ichiro. Yeah, Ichiro, or yeah, he's probably the only one. Maybe Nori Aoki, or uh, yeah, that would have been one. Yeah, Ichiro would have been the guy. But if a Japanese player to ever drive in eight runs in a game. Uh, by the way, the Angels lost the game, twelve uh, eleven, in extra innings to the Royals. Now you mentioned that Otani's pitching tonight. He's fin- and according to BetMGM, he has a second best. Odds to win the MVP behind only Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. But Otani's on pace for 34 homers, 103 RBI, and 16 steals this year. It's a pretty decent year to go on top of everything he's doing as a pitcher. Yeah, he's a. this is a generational talent. I don't think – I mean, we're, we appreciate what he's, what he's doing, but I don't think people are still appreciate him enough for what he's doing. And he's so young. And the Angels got to make a decision. Well, how much more do you need to appreciate? He's, I mean, everything every, – all that, everybody just talks about him twenty four seven. I mean, if he was if he if he played for the Yankees, oh, uh, he still can. He's free agency. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. We don't talk about Shohei Otani enough. I don't think so. Because all I hear about is Aaron Judge. So what do you, should we just call it uh, uh, Otani Live? Uh, I mean, forget I, Ace Cast Live. Just call it Otani Live. Every day, every enough? day, a, a five minute segment dedicated to Otani. I'm kidding. He's going to do that. You're going to talk about Aaron Judge. I want to talk about Rendon. How's Rendon doing? Uh, oh, for the year. That's a good contract. Uh, that hey, that buying or selling question about the Astros and it being a one-horse race, I think my answer is still looking pretty good. Oh, uh, they, they, uh, they won again today. So there you go with that. Big, uh, Jordan Alvarez has 21 home runs on the year already. 21. I told you years ago he'd be the greatest home run hitter ever, and you laughed at me. Well, the thing that they're it's, – it's not their offense – it's their, it's their pitching and their defense. Their run their run prevention is off the charts. When are we supposed to have Nick Allen? Whenever BP is over, which is now. Okay. So, 
But yeah, they're they're going to get McCullers back at some point if he's not already. No, he's not back yet. Nope. Verlander's been good, but let's let's see. Christian Javier and Urquidy. I think Urquidy pitched today. He no, he was yesterday. Then who pitched today for them? Luis Garcia took care of the Mets yesterday. Yeah, and the Mets lost again today. Oh, is that a little two-game sweep of the Mets there, Griff? You can't see him. He's a big Mets fan. I mean, we we. I mean, he had a World Series ring already, getting ready for the Mets. The yeah, whole thing. They had the parade planned out. Yeah, they already had a parade. Yeah, in Manhattan, it's not going to happen. And the guy who got his first career dinger last night, Nick Allen, joins us here on A's Cast Live. Last time we were just oh, big league family, everything. How nice is it to come back up? You're not dealing with all that. You're just you're coming back just to play. How good has that been? Uh, I mean, amazing. Um, you know, it's obviously it's great to have my family here, um, you know, for my debut. Um, but now, like, it's just time to play some baseball, try to help the team win whichever way I can. So I think that's what I came in with the mentality to do. Um, and, you know, it's still like obviously it's the big leagues, so it's a little different. But, uh, you know, I came with a better mindset for sure. You got the change up and you didn't miss it. When you hit it, did you know it was gone? You know, I didn't know it was gone. Um, it felt good. I just was like, just don't catch it. <laughs> Whatever you do, <laughs> don't catch it. Let this. Let me get on base right here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, fortunately went over the fence. So uh, I was definitely happy when I saw that. And when you're going around the bases, you're flying around. What are you thinking? Like, I mean, the adrenaline's going. I mean, do, do you think, wow, my first big league home run? What's going through your mindset as you're around on the base? You know, I was definitely thinking about that. I was like, dang, like this is, you know, this is what it feels like. Um, and, you know, I was just happy that I did it. Um, just happy to help the team put some runs on the board. Um, but, no, it was definitely uh, running around. I just thought about, you know, a lot of my family, you know, everything they've sacrificed, and it's like, Thing. I wish they were here for it. Luckily, my fiance was in the stands. Um, but uh, no, it was definitely a surreal moment. It definitely happened fast. You know, it happened yeah. quicker than I thought it would. So uh, when I got back in the dugout, I was like, "Dang, that just that just happened." And it, you know, I wish I would have slowed down a little bit more and just to take it all in. A little more of a trot. A little yeah. more, really, yeah. a little more pimping it a little bit would have been. But it's your first one. Yeah. You're so jacked up. It's unbelievable. Uh, the speed of the game. Do you think it's going to change from, for you than the last time we saw you? You know, um, I, I'm hoping it does. Uh, I think it's just baseball. So that, that, yesterday I felt great. So um, I know it will. Uh, and, I mean, it's definitely a difference. Obviously, that's why it's the big leagues. But um, it's baseball at the end of the day. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm more I play, the more I, I feel a lot better. So tell us the difference, because obviously AAA, the, the great talent down there. I mean, you're still talking the best players in the world are in AAA, uh, as well as here in the, at the big league level. Just tell us what it's like, the speed of the game, because I know that's something David Forrest talked about with you. Speed of the game, AAA versus up here. I think it's just getting used to playing in, um, in a big stadium with a lot of fans uh, and being able just to lock in on the moment. I think when you do that, then it just becomes baseball. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, locking in on what you need to do, uh, making sure all that out. It's the outside noise. I think that's the biggest thing for sure. So it's keeping your blinders on, focusing on what you got to do, help the team win. Um, and I think that's when it starts slowing down um, a lot easier. Uh, but there's just it's consistent talent up here for sure. You know, you know, you don't get a night off. So uh, not saying you do in AAA, but 
you know, having to take in everything from the outside and then focusing on what you got to do on the field. You know, it's uh, that's I think that's the biggest thing. And that's something that it's hard to explain to the fans because the, the fans just see you guys as baseball players. They don't think about when you leave here, everything that's going on. And, yeah, up here it's a, it definitely is a different lifestyle. It's just different. It's hard to explain. It's hard for me to explain, too. I mean, uh, but uh, I'm just glad I'm here. Whatever I can do to help the team win um, is my, obviously, biggest priority. So, uh, you know, I'm just I'm happy to be here. And the cool thing, call him up, get him in the lineup. That's always good. What did Mark Kotze say to you when you came back up? You know, it's just good to have you here. Um, you know, all this, pretty much the same old stuff. I mean, Kotze, I mean, I know he's San Diego. Um, I'm from San Diego. So uh, we've kind of known each other before any of this. Uh, but, I mean, he was just, you know, be ready to play. And I think that's the biggest thing. I was ready to play. So. And then we're going to see it back at the natural spot, shortstop tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, the moving around, do you like it, or would you rather just say, hey, listen, I play short, let's roll here, old number six in the infield? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was uh, uh, just pretty much a lot of shortstop, but I knew yeah. I had to play second base because uh, that would help me in my career. Um, and I've obviously, I've done that my whole my whole life, but wherever you need me is where I'm going to play, and that's where I'm comfortable playing, whether you need me at cent in center field or catcher or whatever you need. Center field? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, have you uh, played outfield? Uh, maybe like one time in like little league or a couple times. I don't know. But uh, whatever you need me to do. So tonight's shortstop, and obviously that's my main position. So I'm I'm, I'm pumped and uh, ready to go. So when you've gone over to second base, ha have you gotten to a a point to where you're as comfortable playing second as short, or is it still a little different? No, I've always been comfortable there. I think there's some certain things that I can keep working on, uh, and that's what Emar and I are doing. Um, Emar's our infielding coach yeah. uh, and first base coach. And, uh, yeah, we're just working on some certain flips, you know, that I can get in a game or being in the shift. I think that's the biggest thing because growing up you never practiced the shift, especially for me at second base too. Uh, so um, just getting used to that. And other than that, I mean, I've played it. I've, I've played a lot of games there, uh, I think, throughout my minor, my minor league career. So I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah, people don't think about how shifting changes. Like, from a shortstop standpoint, for years, we would take Marcus Simeon and put him in short right field. I mean, he was getting balls. He was It would be a ball be roped to him, and he's, like, in front of the right fielder picking it up, throwing the guy at first base. I don't think people realize in second base we can move you up the middle, can move you. There's so many different ways you move guys in the shifts. And it's something I've asked, and no one really wants to answer it, because I sit here and I watch every BP. I watch you guys take ground balls. No one's taking ground balls in short right field. It's like you guys don't practice it as much as they claim that they do. Uh, so talk about how the shifting around is not as comfortable as people may think it is. It, it's, I mean, when you go out, I want to take ground balls today. You know, you just go out to, like, shortstop or second base, and that's kind of like the, those main positions. But um, – you know, early work, we do get some work in there. Not a lot out in short right field. Uh, probably uh, something I, I can work on myself. Uh, just get out there and tell Emari, like, I want to take some ground balls out here. Because it's something you need to practice. You're going to be in the game doing it. So, uh, When you've never made that throw. Yeah, I mean, you uh, – uh, it's just – I guess it's just something you just do naturally, right? So, um, but, no, we do work on a lot of double plays in the shift. I think that's the biggest thing because that's – you're in a different spot, different, you know, it's different throws. Um, but definitely, I mean, I could take it upon myself to go out there and, and take some more ground balls. Uh, 
But, no, we put in a lot of work, a lot of good work. Uh, everything we do here is structured in the right way. So, Yeah, I just think that there there is something about when you get a ground ball and you look, let's say you're at second base and you look and now you're throwing to second. And they're at turning the double play, there's a third baseman there. Yeah and not a shortstop. There's just stuff that, like you said, you didn't see it as a kid, yeah. and you don't see it as much. Then you get up here, and it got to a point you're shifting on almost every batter. And then, you you know, you got guys who are used to playing on the right side. Now they're playing on the left side because we now shift against right-handed hitters more than ever before. It just – I can see where it's just not comfortable. No, it's it's uh, it's learning. It's a learning step. It's more, more reps, the more you get uh, feel better and the more confidence you get. Uh, and I'm in a good place with it right now. So, The aha moment now for you in the big leagues, like I'm here. Ah, this is great. What's the aha moment? Uh, and I don't know. It's just being in the stadium, you know, after early work, you know, sitting on the bench and being just looking out and be like, man, there's not another level above this. You're here. You have nowhere to yeah. go after this. You have nowhere to go. So <laughs> now it's just you're staying here and uh, doing whatever you, whatever you can to uh, – you know, to put wins on the board. Um, so I think that was definitely a big aha moment is when you, you know, you sit on that bench and you're looking out and you're like, dang, we're here. You know, I, I hate to bring up the record, but the record is what it is. It's the worst record in baseball right now. And obviously this is a team, same thing across with the Seattle Mariners. It's not the season that they're looking for. What What is it like in the clubhouse you come back up? Because obviously things have changed. It's gotten a little bit worse from a standpoint. But what's the mentality like? How is the group right now in the clubhouse? I think the group's sticking together really well. Um, you know, it's baseball. Things happen. Uh, you know, we're doing everything we can. The coaching staff's putting uh, together a great plan for us to keep getting better every day. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a process. And, um, you know, it's a long season, so... Uh, we're just taking it one day at a time. And uh, from what I've seen is, you know, everyone's sticking together. And for you, though, personally, do you see that as, hey, this is opportunity? You know, I'm, I'm here taking it one day at a time. Um, you know, if I get my chance to play, I'm going to try to make the most of it for sure. Well, I tell you what, this, this kid grew up going to the chicken pie shop in San Diego. We got to get him over to the Chicken Pie Shop in Walnut Creek, one of our sponsors, yes, yes. and get you over there and get you some chicken pies. He grew up on the original back in the day. Yep, I did. No, 100%. I had my birthdays there when I was younger. Great spot. So we're going to have to get mm -hmm. you over in Walnut Creek. When's the next off day? It seems like we, have, we don't yeah. have off days ever. So <laughs> next off day, we got to get you out there. But, hey, thank you for stopping by. We appreciate it. And I've been saying it here on AceCast Live. Not going back to Vegas again. Next time you go back to Vegas on a vacation, you want to take a trip, uh, staying here in Oakland, staying with the Oakland Athletics. Hey, I'm Oakland A right now. Let's go. Great stuff. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, can I give you a scouting report on the game tonight? Julio Rodriguez 
Can you pitch around the guy? Can you stay away from him? They do well when he does well. He is on fire. His last eight games, he's hitting 355, a 992 OPS, five extra base hits, four ribbies, and when he hits, so do the Mariners. The Mariners in their 30 wins, by the way, Rodriguez has hit 364 with an OPS well over 1,000 in his wins. Now, here's something about the Mariners. Oh, you're going to go the stat I was going to say? I think I know where you're going. It's my show, right? Is it okay? Ray, <laughs> Ray is it okay if I give the stat that By I want to introduce this is, this is the great Ray Jensen. No relation to Alex Jensen. No. Or Marcus Jensen, for that matter. How do we know? I think I – well, I did a 23 in me, and I don't I – don't, we were not any DNA relatives close okay. to Alex Okay, I was just, just checking, Jensen. just checking, because <laughs> Jensen's not that popular of a name. No, it's not. At not least, a lot of people have it. And not unless you're from Norway. And uh, tell everybody out in uh, A's land, who are you and what you do? Oh, I'm Ray Jensen. As they said, I'm the broadcast and media content coordinator for your Oakland Athletics, replacing uh, Joey Libertore, who moved to the SoCal. Thank God. He was <laughs> the Italian a, stallion? He was a load to deal with. He did build, hey, he did build, he did build us Joey Town. Oh, I mean, just listening <laughs> to that voice yeah. makes my skin crawl. Uh, and what did you do before you got here? Uh, before here, I was at Sports Radio 1350 WOYK in York, Pennsylvania. That's a powerhouse station. Out there it is, yeah. Yeah, it's like WFAN in New York. I've heard a lot <laughs> yeah. about it. I mean, the WFAN's here, and then we're, like, there, maybe even below. And what did you do there? Uh, everything, from producing to doing some broadcasting. It's, it was a small station. It was practically run by myself and my boss. So, So it's like us. Kind of similar. <laughs> yep. Just on a, on a different level. You will be joining me on Friday. You're replacing Cody as we don't know what Cody's doing, nor do we really care. Well, I, he's been mentioned it a couple times. He's excited about the bolo tie. Yeah, I got the bolo tie yesterday. Going to For that wedding. What? Going to a wedding in Texas. Oh, that's this weekend? It's Friday. I'm flying to Dallas tomorrow. And the wedding's on Friday? Yeah. Well, um, it's my wife's family. And you remember, we got married on a Thursday. They're getting married on a Friday. Costs less money. It's unbelievable to me, all you people, and I think you're one. What day was your wedding on? Thursday. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You know what, what, what happened to getting married on Saturday like normal people? Well, I did that the first time. Because it's cheaper. All you cheap, you know what's get married uh, not on Saturday, so you have cheaper rates, but it affects all of us you're, in our work days. You're throwing my wife under the bus, and she's. Yeah, the, I, my, I'll throw her under the bus. It's true. Why you get married on a why, why Okay, she's cheap, and now her family's wow, cheap. Wow, wow! I, I didn't think I'd hear you call her cheap. I mean, she's she's a labor and delivery nurse. I I'm I just I'm just a broadcaster. Did you now. or did you not get married on a Thursday? Correct, I did get married on a Thursday. And now someone in her family is getting married on a Friday. Uh, that is correct in Dallas, but they live in Mississippi. I don't know how this makes sense. <laughs> Back to the Mariners. Mariners are an MLB worst. Three and twenty-nine when they're scoring three runs or fewer. What are they when they score four runs or more? Uh, I don't have that stat in, but it's in there. Oh, Mister Stat, you don't have the stat. What what stat did you have? Well, if they're three and tw- three and twenty-nine, three runs or fewer, that's the key. Hold them under three. But you don't have the other stat. Well, I'm assuming they're probably. You have half the stat. I'm assuming they're twenty-seven and ten when they score four or more. It's like half the marriage. Is that correct? Twenty-seven and ten because they're twenty-seven and ten when they score four runs or more. So what did they score last night? uh, Eight. Ball game over. (laughs) Seattle has scored four runs or more 
in all nine of the wins this month. It's pretty good. So if you score, you you hold them to under three, you got a shot. Is that is that is that what the A's are banking on? But you got the right guy on the mound. You got Polly Winday, who, if you weren't listening here, when was it? Two days ago? Uh, Polly was on Friday, the other day, last Friday. Wasn't when it was 100 degrees. No, yesterday. so it wasn't yesterday. The magic for Paul Blackburn, we mentioned it with Scott Emerson. It's not the curveball. It's not breaking balls. It's not. It's the magic. It's pizza. Yeah, pineapple on his pizza. He has. Oh, you kids out there who dog people for using pineapple on their pizza? A major league pitcher does it, and probably the A's all star. Is that too soon? I think it's way too soon. We got a long way to go before they. It's like a month. Yeah, a lot can happen in a month. True. Yeah. You guys all were crowned Danny Jimenez as the next Dennis Eckersley, uh-huh. and what's happened since then? True. Although Paul Blackburn's fourth in the American League in earned run average, that's ERA for everyone out there who doesn't know what earned run average stands if, for. If if it just so happens that Paul Blackburn gets that great honor to represent represent this great organization in the Major League Baseball All Star Game down at Chavez Ravine. Will he have pizza? Oh, he has to. The night before the All-Star game. He has to. David Force is here. That's right. It is time. He's on time. It is 5 o'clock. It is 5 o'clock. It is time for the David Force Show, which you can hear here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. How are you? It's been a while. It has. It has. I got my uh, afternoon caffeine. I'm a little. Are you ready to rock? Little, I'm a little worn out, so I need a pick-me-up. You got that little punch, and it gets you going through the night. It does. the uh, The manager ran me ragged on the pickleball court early this morning, so I, I need a little a little pick me up right now. You've been busy. You've been traveling a lot. So <laughs> wh- where have you been, and what have you been doing? I, I haven't traveled a ton. I did. I was in Boston with the team, which was which was nice. Took the family back there, but uh, I've been out. I, I did go see some of the, the college games towards the end, and um, yeah, just keeping track of everybody. So is is it weird that like years ago it's the June amateur draft yeah. and now it's like end of July you, you let the college World Series play out when before even going back to the very first ever pick Rick Monday by the Kansas City Athletics was picked during a state playing at the College World Series is that weird for you? Guys? Have you guys it adjusted? Is. It's hard to get used to. No, I mean I don't think it's going to change. So we do need to get used to it. This. The July timing now. I know you know the people at Major League Baseball like to line it up with the All Star Game and market it and make a big deal. And, and it was great last year. They they filled a theater. It was really nice. It just it's tough on our schedule. The you know most of the amateur stuff will have been over for you know the better part of six weeks. Um, our scouts are you know they they're out there looking for something to do right now. And then it's hard when you don't get the kids in your system until the end of July and they miss kind of that that extended summer program. But it is what it is. Um, you know, it gives us more time to prepare. It gives us more time to overthink things, I'm sure, and, <laughs> and, and read those mock drafts and things are uh, – Things are cha- yeah. things are changing. Do you guys have a mascot here? Is that what we're looking at? We have a baby kitten that's been hanging around the Ace Cast live set on oh, the field geez. here. We got the lucky kitten. <laughs> we're talking. I hope, I hope it's got runs in it. So, um, but no, like we'll yeah we'll read those mock drafts. We'll you know Eric and I will text ten times a day about different players and you know overthink every decision. But at some point we'll finally get to July. Uh, what is it? Seventeenth, and, and we'll get to make some picks. When you started hearing about players 
not participating in games, Mm -hmm. whether it be at the high school level, I'm sure at the college level it's coming. We saw that in football, right? We started seeing guys backing out of bowl games. You're like, you did all of this to play in this bowl game and now you're not going to play? You like that? You worried about that? What do you think about for the future? I'm a little worried about it. I mean, we've we've really only seen – sort of isolated cases there's a high school pitcher in florida this year who kind of ended his season early um in order to quote prepare for the draft we, we haven't seen it too much i don't know that we've seen it at all in college but obviously football it's become a thing and uh there's no doubt it will start being more prevalent in our game there's such an emphasis put on the draft and on being healthy for the draft and you've seen the impact it has on players who don't get to the draft healthy you know, it's it's only natural that guys and, and their representatives or agents are going to start, you know, kind of making concessions to make sure that happens. I've known you for a long time, and the one thing that I do know is you hate losing. Mm-hmm. You absolutely hate it. And the one thing that – and I talked about this either last night or the night before on the A's Clubhouse show – is that it's just not your DNA, and you don't like this, oh, we got a ton of time. You never feel like that. So just tell the fans how – you're not enjoying how this season got. No, I, I said I did. I talked to Matt Kawahara from the Chronicle last week when I when I was in Boston, and um, I think the the quote was it's it's frustrating to watch this, and and you know that I'm not sure that totally sums it up. It just it, yeah, I I empathize with the fans who also want to see a winner out there, and and look. Everybody is is working their butts off. That is the one thing I'm I'm confident of, whether it's Mark and his staff, whether it's the 26 guys who are here at any given time. There's a lot of work going into it. The the fact is we've run into some teams that are more talented than we are, and that's that's frustrating, and it's frustrating not to be able to do anything to get over that hump. And, um, and yeah, and like you said, uh, no one enjoys losing consistently. I, I will say, like, the wins have been great. Like you win a game on a getaway day against Boston and it sort of changes your perception of the whole trip. And you, you know, you come out here and you, you know, you get a win uh, on a home game when there's a good crowd here for Father's Day and, and it's fun and, and you, it gives you that incentive. You know what you're, you're trying for, but we just haven't gotten there enough. We know that building the roster was not easy because of the lockout and it was kind of rushed. You got the, the team for the first part of the season. How much should we expect changes now coming as we we're into June, about to July, seeing some younger guys? What should we expect? It's a good question. Um, I mean, we've made look, we've made some changes already. Obviously, you know, Jonah's here, came up when we were uh, on the road. Nick is here. You know, both guys in the lineup last night and tonight. And I think. You know, I think there will be more changes. I mean, guys have to earn their way here. We're not just going to throw guys out on a big league field to evaluate them if they're not ready and if they if they haven't put in the work and performed at AAA. So there, I know there are some other guys at AAA that a lot of fans are saying, "Hey, why isn't so and so here? What's you know, what's the harm in bringing guy here to 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 see if we're not going to win every night anyways?" You, guys have to be ready to get here and and look there are really good examples of players who've gone up and down and up and down uh and still you know gone on to have a lot of success i mean matt olson is the first one that always comes to mind for me who you know rode rode the uh i think at that point it was nashville the the nashville nashville to oakland (laughs) shuttle five or six times that season you know it's i think it's the memorial jerry blevins shuttle based on on his year here but you know, ideally, you don't want guys going back and forth. You want them to be ready. You want them to have proven everything they have to a AAA. So, I, you know, to answer your question, I think there will be more guys we work into the mix here. Um, but we want to do it, you know, we want to do it 
responsibly, sort of methodically. You know, everybody, everybody talks about Nashville's the new party place. You know, all the all the different parties that are going there, bachelorette, bachelor parties. <laughs> Matt Olson may be the only guy going, I hate Nashville. Yeah, I never want to go back there he again. He couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> so, no, it's I enjoyed going there when our team was there. It was a good time. That ballpark's close to downtown, so I understand the parties. But, yeah, if you're a AAA player there, Nashville's the worst place in the world. What is the key when you evaluate – and I don't even know if there is, but if – you know, what is the key when you're evaluating these young guys – down in AAA, they're not so young anymore, yeah. is he is ready, yes, let's give him a shot, versus saying, not nah, more seasoning. There's not, you know, there's not one thing you can point to, you know, pitchers or position players. I think it's important, you know, that Cots and Emo are in touch with, with Fran Reardon, our manager down in Vegas, to get a sense of how a guy's how a guy's playing, how he's, you know, how his confidence is and, and performing. I mean, we, we can see... You know, we can see all the metrics, particularly now they've got StatCast in all the AAA ballparks. So we can see the same numbers we see here in terms of, you know, if if a guy is, is hitting the ball hard but not getting hits or if a pitcher's ERA is high but he's giving up, you know, he's not giving up hard contact. You can see all that stuff. Again, it's it's sort of a feel thing for making sure a guy sort of stays afloat here and doesn't doesn't quote drown in the big leagues because you don't want you know you don't want guys going through that if they don't have to you don't want them going back because they didn't succeed here you know you want them to at least stay above above water when they're here and then progressively get better we kept hearing jonah bride shows up you're gonna love him the more you watch him you're gonna love him just wait just watch and the more I watch, and I know even though he comes in a little bit, I just I keep seeing hits. And last night, I couldn't get enough of that 13-pitch at bat. I know he grounded out the first. Yeah. But he gets that count, and it gets 3-2. And it's and then those last three that he fouls off, and that I'm like, 13-pitch wore out Marco Gonzalez. That wore him out. And I just thought, that's a grinder. That's a kid who's two for two, third at bat, not giving up an at bat. I mean, I love that mentality. Yeah, and and those are some of like the the sort of unmeasurable or immeasurables that you look at with bringing guys up. And and look, Jonah's gonna, he's he's off to a good start. He's got his hits. He's gonna struggle. I mean, young players do. He's gonna go through an 0 for 15 at some point. But the things that that you have already noticed about him are the the quality of at bats, the lack of swing and miss. He went into Fenway Park. He wasn't scared at all. You know, whatever it was this third or fourth inning out there he took 105 off the chest broke at, the chain at, at third did it <laughs> yeah broke i didn't his hear chain. that yeah but but those are things and and cots mentioned it to me immediately he said hey any guy who comes in here takes those at bats takes that ball off the chest like i want to put him back in the lineup i want that guy to succeed and to keep going out there and grinding like you said and, and you do you see things like the 13 pitch at bat you see him getting his hits and busting his butt and and working hard in early work so these are some of the things that you look at aside from just the fact you know that he's hitting you know 360 whatever in triple a to, to make the decision to bring him here so mark kotze is so competitive i told you you ran me off the, the, court, <laughs> the court this morning i had no chance straight sets in pickleball so it, 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 when you're going through a tough time how much do you have to kind of talk i don't want to say talk him off the ledge but yeah. i mean because you've been doing this for so long this is his first year. He's grinding to win every game like he should. That's his job. But, yeah. like, how much do you have to kind of help him out? We spend a lot of time talking, nights after games, mornings after games. Uh, we do talk a lot and, and try and, you know, focus on on the positives, on the progress, on, on what was good, what we can take into the next day. 
you know, you know, I you, you don't want to focus just on the loss every you know every time it happens because it's not productive. As we get the tractors rolling by here, um, it's not productive just to think about the loss and what went wrong and what we could have done differently uh, because it's going to happen. Like we know that even even in the best of seasons, you're going to lose 60 times, and you don't want to you don't want to harp on it. You don't as a manager, you don't want to sit there and second guess yourself and rethink. So we've talked a lot and trying to focus on again what what positives can we take away? What can we learn? What can you impart to the players that that they did well that that's going to help us win the next night? So we, we do have a lot of conversations. How did you feel about going back to 13 pitchers? You know, we were there when we got to Atlanta. Like when we brought up uh, Davidson, we got there. It's it's fine. It's just sort of the, the reality. We've managed it with eight pitchers in the bullpen for however many years now. I think nine was a little bit of a luxury, but we'll be fine. Emo and, Emo and Kotz have done a really good job with the pen this year. Is it just weird how some people just freak out over like – certain they like they just have a hard time getting their arms i around think things. it's just a mindset like we we talk a lot here about things you can and cannot control like hey if that's the rule let's figure it out let's not worry about whether it's a good rule or not a good rule and what do you think we should do long term about position players pitching because now it's getting to be a lot it is i've yeah i've seen some of the chatter out there and worried about it I don't know. I mean, look, we we like to have the flexibility to do it in a blowout game because you're playing for the next day and don't want to use an arm. Um, and there are position players who can do it and and be somewhat respectable. But ultimately, yeah, there's a chance that it gets a little out of hand and and you know you run into some ugly looking innings. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I know I know. We're doing our best to, to maintain our chance to win the next day by saving some bullpen arms. Um, but my guess is at some point MLB steps in on that one, too. You have your own Shohei Otani in Bethancourt, for God's <laughs> sake. Uh, he's actually been one of the great stories. For sure. And I just started noticing the way he keeps his hands in, driving the ball to right center. Really saw it in Cleveland. Yeah. Ball going over the wall, ball off the wall. I mean, he can pull it, but just to watch him drive the ball the other way, just, you know, what did you think when you got him, and what are you seeing with him now? I think Christian's a really good story about, you know, about a positive to take away or about progress to make in season. Like, he clearly worked with Tommy, with Crony, made an adjustment with his hands and his approach. He talked about getting the ball a little bit more out front to drive it. I mean, we saw we saw the high exit velos in spring training, and we saw them early in the season, you think this this guy only has seven or eight big league homers like how is that possible considering the way the ball comes off his bat so you know it's a, it's it's a thing that happens over the course of the season you make adjustments you work in the cage I mean fans don't get to see how much time these guys spend in the cage early before games even after games and, and for Bethancourt to make that adjustment and then see the results like we did on that road trip is you know that's that's what you're hoping to see out of over the course of a season and Super athletic behind the dish, yeah. and just kind of like the modern day player, really has to be a guy that can play multiple spots because you only sure. have so many guys on the bench. Yeah, no, we need that flexibility, and and you saw, you know, you see it sort of everywhere. Like Jonah comes up, he can play third and second. He's played a handful of games in left field. Nick comes up, can play both positions in the middle. I mean, you there are so few guys now who you just say like, hey, here's your spot. You've you've got it. You're the everyday guy there. Everybody's got to be able to move around, and, and we've seen it for years and years with Chi, uh, with Pinder, and, and then Canna before him. So it's uh, for Bethancourt to be able to, to play first, to be sort of a third catcher on the roster, 
you know, between him and Vote, they can both back up Murph. So it's really valuable to Cots to have those guys. So we're about to get into July, which leads us to the trading deadline, mm-hmm. which means you're always going to be players. Yep. This time you're going to be a player with people calling about maybe the guy going tonight in Blackburn. We got Frankie Montas. I know you can't talk about calls, but where are we on that cycles? Is it now starting to – are the conversations starting? Is the, is the groundwork starting to be laid? Yeah, the, the conversations are starting. They have been for even a couple weeks now, and that's, that's pretty typical. You know, we started out talking about the timing of the draft. That has sort of disrupted the, the usual flow of the season where July is all about the trade deadline. So because the draft is where it is – you know, it interrupts that. You know, you spend a week and a half just in that draft room focused. It makes it a little harder to have the, the trade conversations. But they're starting now. Um, you know, everybody likes to say, hey, let's, get, let's do something early. Let's make a trade early. We're not waiting for the deadline. But then nobody wants to give up something that they feel like they don't have to unless there's a deadline pressing them. So, you know, we know how this game works, whether it's arbitration, the trade deadline, the CBA, like – the deadline is ultimately what what helps things get done. So I imagine there'll be a lot of talk for the next five weeks, and then there'll be a, a run up the last week to that that deadline, which is a couple days late now. It's it's back into August now this year, so uh, we'll have a couple extra days to play around. I always say on this show, I want to get a couple desperate GMs pitting each, <laughs> pitting you against each other and guys that need players. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. the. You're a poker player. Right. It's deal-making 101. You get two parties who, you know, need to outbid each other, and that's how you create the best market, If ultimately, if, if you are a seller and that's what you're doing. You can't let Kotze whip you in pickleball. Uh, Wait, come on. He's a he's a Hall of Famer. He's a Fullerton Hall of Famer, a 17-year major leaguer. You're the greatness of Harvard, for God's <laughs> sakes. You're supposed to be able to outsmart so, the kid from Fullerton. I'd, I'd beaten him a couple times leading up to today, but he uh, – he, Stuck it to me pretty good. Body doesn't fire like it used to, huh? Really, not in this heat, man. No, I need I need cooler temperatures. Good to see you, <laughs> and right. uh, hopefully we'll talk to you before the draft. But we know we we know how you guys get when you guys get towards that draft. It's like wherever this room is, you guys lock yourselves <laughs> into this this dark room. And yeah, how should, many rounds is it this year? We're going twenty. It's still twenty. Yeah, twenty rounds. That's and that that's not changing either. I think we're we've got a twenty round draft from here to wherever. So we do. Two rounds in the comps the first night, then three through 10 on day two, and 11 through 20 on day three. What so. happened to 70 or just keep drafting until no one wants to draft We're anymore? We're going to have to find those guys somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> do you like that? Would you rather have 30, 40 rounds, or do you like 20? I, I, 40 seemed like a lot. 20 seems like maybe not quite enough, so somewhere in between. But, again, we don't we don't control that, so we'll work with what we've got. Great stuff as always. All right, thanks, guys. The David Force Show right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Trying to read these, buying or selling. How old is this Fernando Tatis buying or selling? Oh, that's been in there for a while. Okay. I've been updating some of them, but we haven't done it in so long. All right, just let's go. Give me some. Let's go. 
All right, uh, I'm not going to play the open because we don't need to. All right, so uh, you want to start baseball or should we go football? I'll go football. The National Football, football League. Dun-dun-dun-dun. For the second time oh, excuse at me, 18, let, me, yeah. let me get you in here. For the second time at age 33, Rob Gronkowski has uh, announced his retirement on social media. Gronk had previously retired after the 2018 season with the New England Patriots because of injuries. Tom Brady's back. Brady's back again. Here's a quote from his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. It would not surprise me if Tom Brady calls him during the season to come back and Rob answers the call. This is just my opinion, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rob comes back during the season or next season. Gronk is 24 TDs away from tying Antonio Gates for the most all-time for a tight end in NFL history. Buying or selling, Gronk will officially stay retired. I'm buying. You think he's done? Yeah, he is. Uh, his body has taken a beating. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why he retired the first time. And if Tom Brady didn't go to Tampa, I guarantee you Gronk would have stayed retired. But that was, all right, one last ride. Let's do it. And they won the Super Bowl. They went for another Super Bowl yesterday. But if you go down his injury list, he's had a lot of injuries. He's taken a lot of hits. He has been one of the more physical, big tight ends. Uh, that you've seen in recent years to where a guy like Anthony Gonzalez, uh, excuse me, Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates, they were not as phys- physical players as Gronk was. No, no. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that they were soft. They're two of the great and they're Hall of Famers. Both, for, both former basketball players. Gronk was a yeah. legit football player. I mean, Gronk, t- Gronk's body has taken a lot. I think Gronk at the age of 33, I, 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 I think, and Tom, when Tom said, I'm done again, and Gronk was like, I'm done, I think Gronk realizes. See, that's something that Howie Long is great talking about, where Howie had a lot of, a lot of money due to him by the L.A. Raiders, and he just said, you know what, my body couldn't take it anymore. I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to hit anybody. I didn't want to hit anybody. I didn't want to be hit anymore. I'm done. There gets to be a point in these guys' careers, you can throw all the money you want, Especially a guy who's done well in with his money, like Gronk, and their body just doesn't want to do it anymore. I'm pretty sure after all the injuries, the surgeries and everything, at 33, yeah, I this agree. is where it gets dangerous. Like, you keep playing when you've had all these injuries, and, then, you know, you want that quality of life to enjoy that money. And it gets scary as you start getting into your 30s, late, mid to late 30s. Now, I'll get this last one quickly, but remember, his head coach also retired too. Uh, the great Bruce Arian stepped down, correct. and uh, Todd Bowles is now the head coach. So the Tigers are really bad, and I told you I'd do this yesterday when you get to it, but I'll do it today. I was wrong about them. I'll admit I was wrong. Detroit stinks. What? Did You You admitted what? Yeah, that I was wrong. They're, I think they're right now they're 26 and 42. Can you slow that down for me? I was wrong. <laughs> wow. Folks, this is the guy that knows everything. That can never be told. Any, you tell him something, you go, I knew that. I saw that. I read that. It's You're true. actually admitting you were wrong. Yeah, well, I was wrong about my well, the guy I used to root for. thought he was going to be a good good comeback story in A.J. Hinch. But uh, with Detroit, I believe they're 26 and 42. They're averaging. You're also wrong about your first marriage. That's all. Yeah, that's true. Was it me? It wasn't. That wasn't just me, though. I think that was. Well, it yeah. takes two to tango. Yeah. I get it. But They're averaging two point. Saying you're wrong. Yeah, two point eight eight runs per game. No That's offense. Lowest, lowest in baseball. They're on pace to have the lowest runs per game since the nineteen sixty eight White Sox, 
who averaged 2.86 runs per game. There is a battle of bad right now between the A's, the Tigers, the Royals are in there. We just saw yeah. them. The Mariners although are the creeping Royals, in there. Although the Royals just beat, uh, the, Royals just beat the Angels last night. Uh, last in home runs for Detroit. A uh, couple bad free agent signings. Eduardo Rodriguez is away from the team. Javi Baez, is, well, he just stinks this year. Buying or selling, I close before even getting reading the buying or selling question. Uh, Detroit will have the worst offense in MLB history. What about the A's? Uh, they probably started 10 and 9, the A's. You know what their record is since then? The what? The A's started 10 and 9. Do you know what their record is since then? It's not very good. Uh, it'll be 13 and 37. We're on pace for 13 the. 13 and 37. We're on pace for the worst home winning percentage ever. Yeah, what? Uh, I believe the, the 39 St. Louis Browns. I believe we're 8 and 26 at home? Yeah, I mean, we're. I'll buy it. Unfortunately, though, we're right behind it. Yeah, uh, last one because we, we really got to go. Uh, Who's coming up next? Uh, we're going to play the community spotlight. Buying or selling AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch is back next season. I buy he's still there. Yeah, he has a contract through 2025. Yeah, I, I buy he's still there. But I'm telling you, I hear, I hear, you know, our buddy Mike Farron talking about everybody's got time. You heard, you heard David Forrest. Yeah. Who's got time? You tell me Don Mattingly's got time? No. Uh, uh, no, probably not. I can go through a couple organizations that don't have time. They don't have time. They've got to win. Yeah. They, David Force doesn't have. David Force tells you he doesn't have time. Who wants? To, who 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 really has a ton of time? Uh, Detroit's been really bad at drafting recently. The last got, couple hey, drafts have been good, but that's it. People around the Nats got time. Uh, uh, Ken Roosevelt put it in his article today. The A's, Detroit, and the uh, sorry us, the Nationals, and one other team are all the Reds are all lost causes for the rest of the year. That's what he put, that's what he said. I mean, you, Reds are beating the Dodgers right now. I mean, how many managers could you see gone by the end of the year? Like, last day of the season, next day, you could see five, six easily. I could see the see the guy on the other side of the field. Oh, right now. I, you, you think you, you, the the Browns are the uh, Major League Baseball? You think the guys to my left here, they got time? No, they're supposed to win this year. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got. Uh, the community spotlight with the great Vince Catronio. Yep. Yep, that's next, and then uh, you'll be back for Ace Total Access, 540. We want to thank Scott Emerson, uh, Tommy get, Malone. I'll go back in the picture. Nick Allen and the general manager, David Force, for stopping by Ace Cast Live. We will not be on tomorrow because it's a day game. You can check me out tomorrow on NBC Sports California. I'll be doing A's pre- and post-game live. The great Joe Hughes will be filling in for me here on Ace Total Access and the A's Clubhouse Show. And then we will be back on Friday at two o'clock, you and Ray Jensen, the great Ray Jensen, and you'll have uh, the HUD man, Rex Hudler. You'll have Mark Kotze, and I'll, I'll find you guys once with someone else. Great stuff as always. We appreciate we appreciate everybody watching and listening, and we'll be back in a few minutes with A's Total Access. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.